Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is brought to you by BSO and ABF Creative and is scheduled for one fall. And on the mic, we have the one and only Robert Latow. I got enemies, got a lot of enemies, got a lot of people trying to drain me of my energy. They trying to take the wave from your boy. That's it with your boy. Better pray for your boy. It's Robert Latow. Keep that same energy podcast. Let's get to the opening bell. Deshaun Watson got himself in a little situation, y'all, uh, with the masseuse um, who said that he put his penis on her head and she had to kick him out the house and, and now she's suing because, uh, according to her, he violated her uh, when he came over to the house for the massage. You know, he wanted a happy ending and, and kept trying to get her to, you know, Massage his lower regions and then th- quote unquote uh, threatened her uh, after the situation. That's a little bit of a plot twist in the fact that the lawyer that's representing um, the young lady uh, is also a neighbor of the, or was a neighbor or still currently a neighbor, at one point was a neighbor of the uh, Texas owner. So, obviously, there's a little interesting thing there. He also had put up some billboards all over Houston to try to get the Texans to draft Johnny Manziel. So, one may gather that he has an issue with Deshaun Watson trying to to leave the squad. Doesn't mean that the young lady's not telling the truth. It just means that there's definitely some plot twist. Now, you may ask yourself, why would Deshaun Watson, you know, who has access to the, he's in the, you know, he's the NFL quarterback, has access to the best medical professionals, and I'm assuming masseuse um, in the area, decide to DM an Instagram massage therapist and go to her house alone. Uh, to get a massage. I mean, these are questions that maybe his people will answer. I don't want to speculate. I've heard some things in both directions. You know, I don't. I don't want to speculate. It's just, you know, these are very sensitive times, so you have to be real careful about what you say. Watson himself said it was, a, it was a money grab that the lawyer asked for six figures to keep it quiet. He declined, and then you get your lawsuit. It's kind of the same thing that happened to Antonio Brown. They wanted $2 million to make it go away. It didn't go away, and then saw what happened. Now, the difference between Deshaun Watson and Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown did not have the media on his side. Uh, he didn't have public opinion on his side. And that's that's a very important thing that you need to understand. Right? I'm, I'm getting away from guilt and innocent and who's right and who, who who's wrong. Now, you're supposed to be innocent into proven guilty. It's not supposed to be. 
But that's not reality. That's not how the real world works. In the real world, it really depends on your reputation as far as how these things are covered. And if it's guilty, you know, you have to prove your innocence. Or if you're innocent into proving guilty. Obviously, Antonio Brown had a lot of situations beforehand that had soured his reputation within the sports media community. So when these things came down, it was definitely guilty into proving innocent. Now, Deshaun Watson has kind of the opposite effect. Normally seen as a good guy. Uh, does a lot of things for the community. Teammates seem to respect and like him. Media seems to respect and like him. Also, the, the, the Texans, you know, were the team that was owned by a guy that called the players inmates and has done some shady things. Ex-players have said certain things about the organization. So public opinion and media opinion is on his side innocent until proven guilty and then you add on to the fact that the lawyer by all accounts is kind of seen as a an ambulance chaser um he's getting the benefit you know of the doubt as far as what does this do for his trade value probably not much not much it's it's when these things go to civil like i said it's it's a more of a public perception thing than an actual stopping people from from working thing when it's criminal that's a little different it's a little different when when it's normally the nfl will look the other way if it's civil until there's some sort of outcome within the civil trial you know if it's a it's a settlement and then nobody admits any guilt or anything they normally look the other way so right now, his situation is he's put out there that this is a money grab, essentially calling uh, the, the the woman and the lawyer that's accusing him, you know, trying, they basically said it's extortion. Now, once again, same thing that Antonio Brown said, but like I said, it's a different media and public perception. If you notice, the certain individuals that normally jump on these type of stories, who say, you know, defend all women and all of that stuff. They're a little silent right now. They don't really know how to navigate this situation. Because it's Deshaun Watson. It's not someone that has such a bad reputation that it's easy to pile on. So they're a little quiet at the moment. Mainstream media, I mean, they're aware of it. But it's very generic. They're not digging deep. Now, will they dig deep? I don't know. Should they dig deep? I don't know. I personally just like for everybody to be treated the same, especially black men. Innocent and to proven guilty. That doesn't always work out for black men. You know, is it a conspiracy theory by the Texans? I don't think so. I do think it's, it's, it's odd that, you know, he's the neighbor of the owner. And does he probably have a grudge against Deshaun Watson? Probably. Does he see dollar signs in this case? Probably. 
I don't know if that's if if the team. I can't say that. I don't think the team would do it. I think the individual may have a grudge, the lawyer, against Watson and then this is figure in dollar signs because a lot of these cases end up getting settled because if you go all the way through through trial, you know that's a lot of depositions. That's a a lot of things, and and I you know. I can only go by what Deshaun Watson said. All he said was he's always treated women uh, with respect. Uh, but at some point, is he, if he goes through all of this, is he going to have to explain exactly what happened when he went over that young lady's house? You know, how does his story differentiate from her story? Her story is pretty straight, you know, forward. It's not saying nothing too crazy happened. It basically just said that he came over. He thought he was, he, was, he was really angling for a happy ending. At some point, you know, he kind of, you know, was trying to get her to do it. She didn't do it. She freaked out. He left, said, hey, you know, let's not talk about this anymore. And that was it. I mean, it's, it's, it's Bob Craftish, maybe. Now, the question is, if, you know, if he has to get on the stand, you know, he has to give a deposition, you know, what is he going to say that's, you know, different? And I was telling another person this because people were asking me. I was like, well, if you can't get up there and say, well, the reason that I booked the massage was because I heard or I was referred and, and they said that they gave happy endings because that just, you know, implies that what she was saying is, is true. Now, you know, so does he go up there and say, hey, I, you know, I told him my groin was hurting. You know, the groin is a muscle. And maybe she took it the wrong way. I don't know. That's why with civil cases, people like to settle them. So they don't really have to talk about it. But then again, if you settle, uh, is that some sort of a mission of guilt? Or is it just, you know, you don't want to be bothered? You know, in, in reality, if you're going to settle, you should have did it before. Price has probably gone up now. So we'll see how all of that, you know, works out. And if he has to address it or if it goes anywhere. Or maybe he has a smoking gun that proves that it didn't happen. Is, is there video available? I, allegedly, there are some text messages. If those text messages are released... That may sway people's opinion one way or another. We just we just have to see and, and kind of just sit tight. Remember, treat everybody the same. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about in the opening bell is LeBron holding the Red Sox. Uh, he has shares in that Fenway group now. That they're officially partner partners. So by becoming partner partners, he becomes co-owner, him and, uh, and Maverick Carter. The business moves LeBron is making is almost as impressive as the basketball stuff. You know, he wants to own an NBA team. He's definitely trending toward, I'm going to be a billionaire once this is all said and done. And I think maybe people don't give him enough credit for that. I would say credit for the black empowerment part. You know, Think about what you want about on the court or him personally or you know, his personality and whatever. You know, people can have various opinions on stuff like that. But you can't not credit him for the black empowerment stuff because I remember when he basically fired 
his initial management team and agent and all that stuff and basically brought in uh, you know, the people that he knew that he was comfortable with, his friends, and gave him these positions of power. Uh, people thought, you know, he was going to lose all his money. Uh, they didn't feel like the, the people that he had brought in were smart enough to handle things, et cetera, et cetera. And then obviously uh, they have been proven wrong. So even if you can't do what LeBron has done on the on the court, you can take some lessons uh, for what he is doing off the court. What in the blue hell? Way too many Salt Bay uh, discussions on the timeline from him putting his meat in your mouth, from his $1,000 steaks and paying bills and things like that. I don't really even know where to start. I mean, I... You know, at hibachi, I, I let him throw the shrimp and I catch it. That's about as far as I can go, you know, with, with that. You know, I don't know if, you know, after a man is, has, has seasoned his, his, his meat, his sweat is dripping all over the steak, he got a big knife and wants to put it in my mouth. I, you know, that's just, that's not my thing. I don't knock anybody that wants to do it. I don't think it's gay or not gay. If you want to get... Salt Bay's meat in your mouth, that's your prerogative. That's your prerogative. I think we have way too many conversations about what's gay and what's not gay. I mean, it's, it's, it's silly. It's silly. And it, it's, it's weird because when I was a kid, it was more about if you did certain things, you were, you were gay. That made you gay. Now, it's, it's interesting because now if you don't do certain things, you're gay. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you know, if you, you know, I'll give you an example. So it's like if you, if you wore pink, you know, back in the day, that meant that you were gay. You were like, you know, light colors or whatever. That's gay. You're so gay, right? Today it's like, well, if, you know, if you don't want to wear a dress, you're, you're homophobic. You know what I'm saying? You're homophobic. It's a weird dynamic how it's changed. It used to be whatever you, you did made you quote-unquote gay. Now, if you don't do something or you don't like something, then you're gay. So if you don't like, you know, if you, do, you don't have a, if you don't want Salt Bay putting this meat in your mouth, all of a sudden you're homophobic. Yeah, just maybe you just don't want to do it. It's, it's okay. It's not one way or the other. You know what I mean? Like, it's, 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 it's part of that culture that's all jacked up now. Same thing with comedians, like I was talking about on the timeline. Comedians can't really tell jokes anymore. And someone made a good point. He said, I, you know, because I'm like, where are the, the great up-and-coming comedians? You know, they do stand-up. And I'm like, they don't do stand-up anymore, Rob. They do skits on TikTok. I'm like, you know, something that's a good point. Like, I never got why anybody would do a think piece on a comedian, right? The whole point of being a comedian is to be offensive. Even if you're like a clean comedian, it's still offensive. Like I've seen, you know, Jerry Seinfeld and, and in person and Chris Rock and watched Eddie Murphy and, and all Bill Cosby and Richard Pryor. Like no matter the the comedy, it's offensive. It to, it would it could be offensive to somebody. You know, if Bill Cosby is talking about his kids, it's a bit offensive. 
you know, Bur- you know, the 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 stand up that Bernie Mac maybe is best known for, you know, the the little the, the him calling his uh one of his uh his sister's kids, the two year old homosexual, and they want them cookies. Hey, no way that would fly today. That's sad. It's just a joke. It's funny. If you it, it, we're in a society now that is, even if I don't like it, right? I'm gonna make sure that even if I don't care for it, I want to make sure that even if you do, that you feel bad about. It. Like, there are certain things that I don't care for, but it doesn't matter to me if you do. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a weird dynamic. It's like, I didn't care for that 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 brand of comedy, and I'm never going to watch again. But you shouldn't watch either. And if you watched in your years, such and such, and da-da-da-da-da-da. And it's a weird dynamic. Like, people, you know, everybody likes what they like. It's fine. If I want to watch Andrew Dice Clay, that's my prerogative. Doesn't mean everything that Andrew Dice Clay says I'm going to do in real life. It's comedian. It's jokes. You laugh and you move on. It's like all the, like we talked about all the, the cartoons and stuff. It's like, yeah, I watch cartoons. Doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, rape somebody. Because <laughs> I watch Pepe Le Pew. That's stupid. I grew up on N.W.A. and Ghetto Boys, you know, West Coast gangster rap, hardcore New York rap, Rakim, Wu Tang Clan. I'm not sticking up anybody on the corner. You know, I'm not Thug Life. I, I love Tupac, but I wasn't Thug Life. I wasn't stealing earrings, like Biggie said. Like it's music. It's television. It's c- c- comedy. There's no, there's no reason to think that a normal person would see these things and like, okay. It's like with the video games and stuff. Like, no, I'm, like, I understand. It's Grand Theft Auto. I don't take my car and go out there and just hit a bunch of other cars, jump out and shoot everybody. I, I comprehend that that's not, you know, you, things you can do in real life. So it's weird to me that people say that. You can't be a comedian because you, you, these days you can't be offensive. Uh, the, the reason I brought it up is because, you know, Bill Burr said a, a couple of okay jokes at the Grammys and people lost their mind. Look, it's Bill Burr. Have you ever actually watched his stand-up? It's funny. But if you're going to be offensive, offended, you probably shouldn't watch. Well, back to Salt Bay. Then I'll finish up here. Kind of got off on a tangent. But... As far as you know, going to expensive restaurants, <laughs> what you have to understand about expensive restaurants is this. That doesn't necessarily mean the food is better. You're going more for the, I guess, experience. I mean, sometimes the food is better. Other times, it's, it's not. Other times, it tastes about the same as with the chilies or Applebee's. You're going for the experience. You know, so, I mean, I don't know if Salt Bay steaks or mashed or spaghetti or french fries they charge $30. I don't know if it's any better than McDonald's french fries. But you're going so you can say you went to Salt, you know, Salt Bay's restaurant. You got to know that going in and not get mad about whatever. Like one time I went to Nobu, you know, because, you know, 
Nobu, Nobu, future Nobu, Nobu, Nobu. I ain't gonna go to Nobu. People at Nobu all the time. Seems nice. You know, it's underwater and all of that stuff. <laughs> Went there, you know, you get these little small plates. And you're so, you're so hungry, you keep getting them and getting them. And they're, they're a lot. You get your bill, it's 300 bucks. And you walk out like, man, I, I got to go to Burger King. I'm still starving. But you went, got some nice pictures for the gram. People know. Don't overstep what you can't pay. You know, that's as simple as that. You know, have a budget. Don't be so trying to impress anybody that you end up going broke. You can't, you know, if it's five of you and you guys can't handle, or girls can't handle a $1,000 bill, then, you know, maybe stick to the appetizers. I mean, you know when you're paying for an $18 drink that is that that's overpriced. You know this in advance. So don't play stupid when the, when the check comes. Makes sense, right? The Injustice League. So you see the, the white guy shot up the Asian women. Killed eight Asian women at eight Asian spas. And I've talked about this several times, is that the, the terrorism... Within America, the people that you have to worry about are not Muslims, they're not foreigners, they're not black people. It's people that look like your white neighbor across the street. Those are the terrorists within our country. Our own people stormed our own capital. I mean, I feel like that gets brushed over a little bit. Our own people, a bunch of white people, stormed our capital. And we supposed to, that's when you, you gotta think that, you know, like I said, we've been brainwashed as a society. We see that in other countries, them trying to overthrow the government and stuff. And be like, they're savages. We did the same thing in 2021. Same thing. Same thing. That white guy, like, they only, remember the, the, the white guy shot up like 60 people in Vegas? They rarely talk about that anymore. They rarely talk about that. White guys blowing up buildings, killing kids at little kids at schools. Rarely talked about it anymore. This guy just, you know, killed eight Asian women. And the cops are saying, oh, he had a bad day. You know, people have bad days all the time. I have bad days. You have bad days. I don't go out and shoot people. They say, oh, he's a sex addict. And he shot the people because he didn't want to have urges. So he figured if he shot them, he wouldn't have these urges. The man went to three different Asian spots. There's, you know, you know, he, that was in Atlanta. In, in, in certain areas like Atlanta and L.A. and Miami, Asian spies are like on every corner. Shooting those three was not going to stop, you know, the Asian spy business from thriving. Ask Robert Kraft. Then the media comes out and says, you know, <laughs> NBC Black comes out and says, you know something, this is a time where black people need to be allies for our Asian community. Mm, okay. Let's maybe focus on the actual problem here. Once again, it's the brainwashing. The brainwashing is everything that happens, black people either have to fix it or we're the problem. It's either or. Sometimes it's both. So we're the problem, man, we want you to fix it. It's like we can't fix white men going around shooting people. It's not our, not our job to do. It's the cop's job. But the cops are as bad as the, the killers. So they just kind of shrug at it. Eh, what can you do? Man didn't have a... If I went and shot eight people today... I guarantee you the LAPD would not have just arrested me calmly and I wouldn't have a bruise on my face. 
they just picked him up like he was nuts, like he was order, getting in the Uber. He had a bad day. He the, he, the killer told the cops that it wasn't racially motivated, and the cops went out there and said, eh, it's not a hate crime. The killer told him that. that that's great. The killer t- telling you what to say at your press conference. Sounds good. Sounds good. That black, black people need to figure it out. Help 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 their allies out. You know, who's the ally to us? That's my question. It was always for us to be that. Who's the ally to us? You, you, you see these things. You see how they move. And then you understand why we're in the situation that we're in. They, we were brainwashed. I saw, uh, I guess, Emmanuel Ocho was doing The Bachelor. And I don't, like, really watch The Bachelor. I don't really keep up with it. My wife does. And I, I think I got enough snippets to understand what was going on. They, they wanted, remember what I said about the symbolism? And everybody, you know, when George Floyd happened, was scrambling for some symbolism. So The Bachelor decided their symbolism was they ain't going to get a black man bachelor now granted they got a the whitest black man possible but whatever so they got this black guy black guy had all these sisters on the bachelor didn't like him all ended up liking a white girl who had some racist stuff come up from her past right and do the final rose ceremony and all of this stuff and then he breaks up with her and Nanny Ocho says you know as black man you know, sometimes I'm the only black man in the room. And so I make sure that I act a certain way. I talk a certain way. I hold myself in a certain regard. Uh, that way, the people in the room, you know, I, I do it for my other black people. So maybe they see black people differently. Now, at his core, he's not lying in in the sense of, of that this is true, that a lot of times as a black person, you feel like you have to carry the weight of every 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 black person, every black male, every black female, anytime you're in certain situations where you're the only black person involved. You feel like if you do something wrong, it's definitely gonna affect other black people. In essence, that's true. But it took me a while to 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 get deprogrammed from the fact that why am I the one that's responsible for this? Why do I have to act a certain way? For others to be shown respect. Like that's ass backwards. And, and I always use this example. If a white man robs a Walgreens. And the next white guys that come in. Nobody, nobody cares about. right? They don't think the next white guy is going to rob. Black man robs a Walgreens. For the rest of the day. Every black man that walks in gets looks suspiciously. Now the theory used to be well. If the first guy didn't rob, rob them, then they wouldn't look that way at the next 10 black guys. But like I said, it took me a while to be deprogrammed to realize that robbed or not, those 10 black guys are still going to be looked at differently than the 10 white guys, regardless if it's a robbery or not. Because that's just the way it is. It's not on us to do it. And also, I have to be deprogrammed to understand that I can do everything perfectly, perfectly as a black man in certain settings. And that really doesn't change the opinion of a racist. <laughs> if they're going to feel a certain way about black people, these are grown men and women. Nothing I'm doing is going to change. Trust me. The people that will smile in Emmanuel Acho's face and say he's doing a great job 
and saying he's an upstanding black individual, that is not going to change how they feel about black people in general. It's just how they feel about him. They feel safe around him. He's a safe black guy. That doesn't mean that they really like black people or, or don't have these certain racist thoughts. So we have to be deprogrammed. It's not, not, it's not our responsibility to have people treat us with respect. We shouldn't have to put on a performance. And it shouldn't matter what the next person or the person before you did. It shouldn't matter if it's some black guy shoots up like 30 people. should have no bearing on what people think about me. And vice versa. That is one individual. And that may be the, the main thing that people don't understand. Is everybody's their own person. White, black, Chinese, other They're their own person that should be judged on their own merits. That happens for white people. They're judged on their own merits. Individually. Not collectively. Black people are always judged collectively. And then are told that we have to carry that burden of changing that but even if we do everything that we're supposed to do it doesn't change <laughs> it's like saying comply with the police you'll see one incident where they say well they didn't comply so if everybody complied it wouldn't happen but then a month later you'll see somebody complying perfectly and still get shot so you're like what was the point it doesn't change you have to get deprogrammed you can brainwash from, from little, little kids. We have to be deprogrammed to not feel like we're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders for something that we don't have anything to do with. That we shouldn't be responsible for. We shouldn't be responsible for people treating people with respect. Right? No one ever says to black people that, hey, this white person is, has to act a certain way so you treat white people right. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. At all. Not like trying to go all Dr. Umar on you, but get it out your brain. Keep the same energy. So I was watching this documentary. It's called Hip Hop Uncovered. Uh, it's about some of the unknown names behind the scenes that's responsible for some of your biggest artist and how the drug business in the crack era really led to the formation of what we call hip hop uh, in the sense that drugs, money, gangs, the streets is what really first off made the craft, the element, the culture and then secondly this money is really what funded, you know, hip hop. I mean, when you think initially of some of the early 80s, 90s hip hop, a lot of that formation came, you know, from drug money. You know, death row, drug money, you know, bad boy. Eh, it had some shadiness to it. You know, cash money, rap a lot, death jam. You know, all of this, you know, these, these, these guys that came up from the streets they had people behind them that was, you know, hustling. And that was putting a lot of money behind it. You know, Easy e Ruthless Records. I mean, that money didn't come from working at H&R Block. 
you know, but it also showed, you know, that it's a, it's a dirty game. And when you mix, you know, real life street people with hip hop artists, some which are all who are also real life street people, others that are pretending, you know, you're going to get a lot of issues. And that's kind of what it shows is how some of those issues either worked themselves out or didn't work themselves out. And how a lot of sometimes that ended with a lot of people behind bars and a lot of people in coffins. And even today, which is interesting, you know, we had like this period of time. You know, there was this period of time, maybe after 50 Cent blew up, Eminem blew up. Maybe it was like this period of time. I wouldn't necessarily call it peace, per se. But it's where rap really, really went mainstream. And a lot of the artists weren't from the hood. So I say kind of after 50, after Eminem, you know, those type of... There was these little beefs here and there, but it, it was this period of time where the, the, the artists were kind of crafted, so to speak. They were created, so to speak. So some of the violence and things like that kind of settled down because the, the people from the 80s and the 90s who was doing all the financing and, and discovering these guys and these guys from the street, you know, they ended up in jail and in dead and, and these big corporations had taken over and saw what rap, what it was for and how much money it could make. So they kept these guys and, and young ladies out of trouble. And I'm not, I think what happened was is that toward the beginning of the, what I like to call the social media era, the YouTube era, the SoundCloud era, what happened was these kids from the street were able to get their music out there without this major label, you know, without this push, without this, not the A&Rs and not the crafted, you know, images and things like that. And by getting their music out, it was, it was, it was more rugged. It was more street. It was more hood, you know, but without that blanket of protection. And what ends up happening is you could be a star in your hood. You know, you can be a star without a a record deal because you got 10 million views on YouTube or you got a big Instagram following. You're making money from your shows, you know, but you're still in that element. You, you still in that life. You haven't stepped away from it. And maybe that's part of your your the reason that you, you blew up or the reason that you're relevant. You haven't, you, you maybe crossed over a little bit, but you still got your, your, your foot dipped into that street life. And that's why we've seen, I think we've seen a rash of murders and shootings of young rappers. And a lot of times, you know, for people like my age, may have never heard of these guys before they get shot. Because it's different now. You know, before a rapper would get on, get on a major label, you know, you had music videos, you had physical releases, so you knew who was hot. You know, you was listening to the radio every day, so you knew who was on the come up and where they came from. You know, now, 
you know, a kid can be in Oklahoma or whatever. To blow up large in Oklahoma on the underground scene. And it may never get to someone like me. But these guys are big. But they also, like I said, they still got that, that, that foot in the streets. And that's when you see the Pop Smokes and the King Vons and the Mo 3s, you know, getting murdered. Because the street don't care. If anything, it may make you more of a, a target. And I think that's why you've seen more of this shooting. Because these guys are coming out with good music. But they just, they, they don't leave the area. Well, it's the, 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 the kid that they couldn't get him. They shot up his grandmother's house and end up grandmother and grandfather's house and end up blowing it up. Like, that's real street stuff. But he's right there still in the streets. I remember one of the kids in the documentary. He was talking about how uh, he had lost a child. You know they, they couldn't do anything for him, uh, a baby, and that that really hurt him. And he said he took what money that he had, and he has two other kids, and he bought some houses and put it in their names. And I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, that's a smart business maneuver. But then he said, you know, the reason that I did it was because I'm not sure if I'm going to be here, just in case. A year later, he shot and killed. Yes, you know, being a, a, a musician shouldn't be a life-and-death job. It shouldn't. Being a rapper shouldn't be a dangerous job. You shouldn't have to worry about get you know your life being in jail. You know Taylor Swift is not concerned about getting shot. You know what I mean? Like that's it shouldn't be like that. But the point I'm, I really wanted to get to was one of the things that they talked about is that people don't have a cold anymore and I, it really it really stuck to me people don't have a a cold uh, anymore you know like it's, it's very strange to me it's like we, we used to have rules you know it used to be a web doing things and once social media came into play, there's, there's no rules. People just say and do whatever. There's no consequences. There's no more code. And maybe this, you know, this is just, you know, me being older. I'm not trying to be all get off my lawn and stuff. But there's, there's just no, no code anymore. It used to be, you know, you didn't just do things just to do them. And I feel like it's not just kind of the wild, wild west. Like the, the men aren't men anymore. You, you, things have been neutered. You can't speak freely. You, you know, you, you can't have different opinions. People aren't shown a certain level of respect for things that they've done for them. That was one thing in the documentaries. This this woman named Deb. Put all these guys and women on, like Nicki Minaj and Gucci Man and French Montana, when they had nothing, and they blew up and they turned their back on, on her. It's just not how we grew up. 
we didn't, you know, corporate hustling is different from street hustling. You know, corporate hustling, they, they stab you in the back from a desk. Maybe more vicious than in the streets. But we really got to live by the code. And really wish there was more of a code. And then maybe all these rappers wouldn't get shot. Just now everybody got guns and just shooting. They think that's just the way it's got to be. They don't think about it. You don't think about it. Hey, this, this guy has three sons. This guy has two daughters. It's just bang, bang, shoot him up. Or it's, you know, Takashi 6 9 just troll, troll, troll. Like, there's no firmness anymore. Everybody are punks. Everybody got a lot to say from a distance. And so you couldn't get away with that back in the day because you had, you said so, you had to, you had to, to, to handle it. You know, Haitian Jack was talking about the Tupac song, Against All Odds. And I think a, a lot of us, you know, who wasn't from New York, you should get Haitian Jack. You know, that's the guy that got caught up with the trial and, and all of this stuff. That's how we heard him. And he made a point, though. He's like, they put that record out because he was passed away. <laughs> and knew he wouldn't have to answer for it. Now, maybe Tupac puts it out anyway. We don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But the point was, you could, it's easy to put it out. He's not around to answer to the accusations. Now, granted, this was Tupac. I wouldn't be shocked if he said it anyway. But that's kind of how it is now. Like, people say stuff, they don't have to answer to. Somebody can call you all type of names, and they live in Utah. Huh? Am I gonna, what, what am I going to do about that? So I had to learn just not. It's, it, I just learned not to just acknowledge it. And it's interesting. You, know, you learn not to acknowledge it, and the less comes through. But there's always people that are hating. Just, sometimes just for you living. It's for you just chilling. They want to disrupt that. Because they're miserable. Sad state of affairs. It's a very sad state of affairs. But I tell y'all this to say, you know, stand by your code. Hopefully you have one. But stand by it. I appreciate you listening. Please follow me on Twitter at BSO. Facebook, Black Sports Online. Instagram and YouTube, B-S-O-T. V. Big shout out to ABF Creative for having put this podcast together. I'm out.